Welcome in another episode of Texans Huddle. I am Indy Kalu, and I don't see DP to my left, Drew Doherty. You know his name if you know anything about the Houston Texans. What's up? And the player that we get in today, DeAndre Houston Carson, you're number eight or nine. Is this eight or nine? Eight. Eight. Okay, so he and I were talking before the show, and uh, he's definitely reached that OG status. Drafted to the Chicago Bears out of William & Mary. Not too many guys uh, coming out of William & Mary lasting as long as you did. So congratulations on that. But uh, now you're a Houston Texan, and welcome to the show. I appreciate y'all having me. All right. Uh, you know, let's get right into it. Let, let's talk about just how things have t- changed with this organization. You know, I know you weren't here during some of the downtimes, but being in the league, you kind of knew what was going on with Houston and seeing and feeling and being a big part of the excitement. Can you just kind of talk about the energy around the stadium? Around the stadium, I mean, last game, I, I couldn't hear myself thinking, which was nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the, around the building, it, it definitely really positive energy um, from top down. Obviously, it helps when, you, when, when you're winning. Um, nice to go on a couple game winning streak. Um, hopefully keep that energy going. But um, I could tell when I first got here earlier in the year, just being around every department, like equipment, mm-hmm. like the cafeteria, just a very positive, positive place to be, and it's, it's a good organization. Yeah, you got an, an interesting perspective on things. Seven years, first seven years of your career with the Chicago Bears, so mm-hmm. you've played the Texans a few times. Last year, uh, two years before that, during the COVID season, mm-hmm. I think your rookie year that the Bears were here, you've seen them from afar. You've been in that organization. You have a, a lot of a lot of familiarity with them, but mm-hmm. you bring up that positivity. Positivity. What did you know about D'Amico Ryan's? before you actually came here because he'd made a name for himself in the coaching ranks with what he'd done in San Francisco. And everybody around here knows this guy to your left played with the guy. Mm-hmm. I covered him here. I've been here since 2009. We knew about him in our own way, but you've got a, a unique perspective in that regard, don't you? Yeah, to be honest, I, I didn't know too much about him personally. Obviously, his defenses have, have been top of the league for a number of years. So obviously, had great respect for that. Um, I played with the player. You might have played with him too, Sherrick McManus. Yeah, um, he I, missed I just him, yeah. missed him. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, but I know exactly who you're talking. Yep. About. So um, when I told him I was coming here, he was excited, and he said D'Amico is one of the best leaders he's ever been around as a player. Um, and so that was kind of like what I was expecting coming in, and it's held true so far. You know, you talk about being a leader, and obviously to last this long, you should have you have leadership qualities. Can you just kind of talk about your journey from William and Mary? I also went to a small school, Rice, here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, us guys coming in, in the back door, just kind of talk about what your experience was from draft and how you've been able to last so long in the NFL. So I've been able to last. Uh, a lot of luck, obviously. I haven't been injured. Take serious injuries to the lower body. Um, special teams have mm-hmm. taken very serious from, from the beginning of my career. And I owe that a lot to just some of the vets I had when I when I came in. My rookie year was was pretty tough. At one point in the season, I had more penalties than tackles, um, and that was like the first five weeks. And I remember my special teams coach sitting me down and just telling me like, "Hey, you gotta you gotta get it right." And Sherrick and a guy Chris Brzezinski and a couple couple veterans who had kind of had a similar type of role took me under their wing and um, helped me out. And then. Oh, hold on, what type of penalties? Are we talking about head hunting penalties? I or, wish I wish uh, they were, man. It's a dumb rookie. Offsides on kickoff. <laughs> no, like what? I got block in the back, I think. Okay. First game of the year against Houston, I got a block in the back oh, against okay. one of my old teammates, John Grimes. Um, he was here for yeah. like, like four or five years, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, good running back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it was tough early on, but a lot of that stuff helped me to 
understand what I got to do, what I got to work on. And I'll say this, and I'm not just saying it because you're sitting here, mm-hmm. but that says a lot about you because typically when you're a late-round pick like I was, you're young. If you're making mistakes, eventually they just say, man, forget about this guy. But for them to keep you and for the coach to call you in and say, hey, this is what you need to change up, that means they saw the positive. You know what I'm saying? Like they saw the positive in you and knew that there was a – there's gonna they were gonna benefit from keeping you around. Yeah, I think so. And, and again, a lot of that, as I said earlier about the injuries, mm-hmm. is 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 luck and you know favor. I, I attribute a lot of that to um, you know God's plan for my life too. Um, and so yeah, thankfully I'm still here and got football life. <laughs> hey, I did some research on you, and you two have a bit of a connection because the story you just referenced. I don't know if you you bring him up in it, but Richard Hightower, somebody very very important to you. Mm-hmm. You know, he was here while yep. ND was a player in 2006, 2007. He was okay. just getting started. He was even on the other side of the building, like over in the business ops side before he got into coaching. What's that guy doing? You know, what did that guy do for you in your career? Because he's now, you know, over in San Francisco doing fantastic things as a special teams coordinator there. Obviously, coach with D'Amico. There's a background there. What did he mean to you? Yeah. Um, there's certain coaches who give you confidence in yourself just based on the confidence they have in you and uh, as a rookie he kind of he kind of gave that to me um he kind of told me at one point like hey you can play 10 years if you want to and just hearing that and taking that to heart has kind of helped me through a lot of the hard times I've had and then he actually came back to Chicago Chicago last Mm -hmm. year as a special teams coordinator um and it's kind of like the same thing he gave me a lot of freedom um to go out there and just play fast and play free and uh, just as a man, you know, a really good man. Obviously, you've been around him. Yeah, I mean, um, he was very young when I was here. Mm-hmm. but And he was one of those guys, you're like, you know what, he has big things. He's mm-hmm. going to be in this league a, long, a league a long time. And I actually thought he was going to be a head coach at some point. I mean, mm-hmm. still young enough to uh, if that's going to be his path. But, no, you're absolutely right. And mm-hmm. you got to deal with him after he established himself as a coach. Because when I was here, he was more quality control. Yeah. And like Mike McDaniel, the, mm-hmm. the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. You, you were know, here in the like, embryonic stages for all of those yeah. guys. Tim <laughs> McDaniels, Kyle Shanahan, exactly. LaFleur. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh, for him to see that in you says a lot about a lot about him and you. Let, let's go back to college. Uh, I had a buddy, a real good friend of mine, Sean Barber, went to Richmond. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was always talking about their conference and their league when they played, said they were the best ever. Was that your main rival, or was it JMU, or who, who's William and Mary's main rival? Richmond is. It is. Yeah. Did y'all? Did you beat them uh, during your four years there? Uh oh. Come on. For man. those who can't see, are this, you trolling no. him? No, 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 I'm not. Come I'm on. not because uh, <laughs> I was hoping to get some troll bait for my boy Sean oh, Barber. This spot. So they got you all four years. I never beat, never beat Richmond, mm. and I still can't show my face. In Williamsburg. <laughs> Actually, it's funny because um, you grew up right, right in between DC and Richmond, correct? Yep, yeah, yep, Fredericksburg, mm-hmm. right, right down ninety five. Um, Mike Tomlin obviously went mm-hmm. to William and Mary, and uh, when I was coming out for the draft, um, I saw him. I think it was at the combine, and I shook hands with him. And the first thing he says to me is, uh, "How come you never beat Richmond?" <laughs> and I kind of start to like giggle, you know, whatever, not giggle, but you know, start to laugh. And he just look at me with those eyes, and you could tell he's like serious. Right. And I, ever since then, I'm like, dang, that really, you know, really, uh, it's a stain, a stain on my resume, if you will. But uh, just what you needed to hear at the, at the, <laughs> at the combine, combine, right? You're, you're, you're coming from William, and even if you're coming from like the best of the best, it's everything is jam packed into two days. You got a zillion tests you got to take. You got a zillion interviews you got to take. 
I can't imagine being, you know, having your, your balloon pop like that yeah, right no. off the bat there. Yeah. That's tough. How and far are they from each other? I'm 30, probably 45 minutes. Oh, wow. So it's close. It's right, yeah, right down the road. Okay. In my senior year, unfortunately, they beat us twice. Uh, they beat us last game, game of the season, and then they beat us in the playoff. Mm. Oh, that's the, do they recruit you also? Sick. Um, no, Richmond didn't recruit me. Okay, so they could have thrown in your face that you chose the wrong Yeah, that, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> no, but obviously you chose the right one. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you talk about this upcoming season, a lot of excitement from a lot of the former players. Like, we're some of y'all's biggest fans out there just because of the energy, the way y'all are playing mm -hmm. in all three phases of the game. When y'all are here during the week, is there anybody there, like, making sure we're not reading the press clippings and keeping our feet on the ground, or is it just something that's just known within uh, within this team? Yeah, I can speak for myself. Yeah. Obviously, like, being in the league so long is cliche, but they say, you know, in the NFL, you either have been humbled or you're going to get humbled, mm. you know? So, like, you can't, you can't ride the waves, you know, kind of got to stay even keel. And, and that's something that um, – Coach D'Amico's been saying too, right? It's like, you got to stay hungry, you got to stay humble, and been harping on, you know, being able to bounce back after a win, which I think is, you know, people say it all the time, but I think it's really true. Like, yeah. it's, it's harder, it's harder to bounce back from a win than a loss. Like, no one wants to get embarrassed, no one wants to, you know, have bad plays out there. So when that happens, it's easy to be motivated. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely a, tr a bigger test of a team's character and an individual's character to come back after everyone's trying to tell you how good you are. You know, but you know that you could have done so much better, you know. He had five tackles, a pass defense. It's DeAndre Houston Carson. It was five tackles and a PD against the Cardinals last weekend. So you're from in between those two spots, Washington, D.C. and Richmond. So growing up, were you a Washington fan, Commanders, Redskins, or were you something else? No, I else? wasn't. I grew up a Cleveland Browns fan. Why? Why um, Cleveland? My... Family is from oh, okay. Cleveland. Mm -hmm. um, some of my family is from like Erie, Edinburgh, Pennsylvania. So, uh, yeah, grew up a Browns fan. Gave me tough skin, you know. <laughs> yeah, <it> was, uh, <laughs> tough, tough living. But yeah. uh, there was one. I think they made the playoffs one time when I was growing up. And yeah. they lost to the Steelers in the playoffs. And I remember just crying when I was a kid. Like, oh, so you were deep. You, you were. Yeah, I was. You were a real fan. Yeah. Where it messes up your day or weekend uh -huh. if, if they happen to lose. <laughs> I, I like that. So now, and obviously we know where your allegiance, but mm -hmm. people used to ask me when I played, are you still a fan of the team you were when you were growing up? No. No. <laughs> and, and maybe who knows when I'm done playing or something. Right. But yeah, right now, I'm a fan of the Houston Texans. There it is. Whoever signs the checks <laughs> and who sure, you're right. out there balling, you know, you're balling with. Uh -huh. uh, he talked about the success you had with the Arizona Cardinals, played a lot of special teams. Uh, now playing a lot on defense. Talk about the preparation during the week and how different it is preparing for a special team role versus uh, knowing that you're going to get a lot of snaps on the defensive side. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's much harder to prepare when your main role is on special teams mm -hmm. just because um, the way I do it at least, and you know, I'm sure a lot of guys do, like you're watching special teams a lot, like you know, that's your phase, like you're starting on those, but then you also are one play away every time from being a starter on defense, you know? So it's really like having to watch both of them um, completely locked in. Whereas I think when you're playing defense, you still gotta be locked in on you know, on the special team stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, most of the times the coaches will kind of take it, take a load off of you a little bit on, on the teams so you can focus a little bit more on offense or defense. So, um, yes, yeah, I, th I think it's definitely easier from that standpoint. It's funny you say that because, you know, during my point, uh, in my 12 years, started some years, backup role, and obviously if you're a backup, you better be on special teams. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're right, as you were talking, it brought back some memories. 
when your main focus was special teams, it was tougher because you obviously had to make sure you knew everything that was going on with special teams, but you also had to prepare as a starter on the defensive side mm -hmm. because, like you said, you're one play away from being thrown in there, and the last thing you want to do is have some MAs missed assignments because you weren't prepared. So the years that I started or played more on defense, mm -hmm. it was easier because it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in there. Right. And if I have to get thrown into special teams, you'll kind of adjust. Yeah, for sure. And nobody cares if, if you know, if you didn't get no reps or yeah. whatever throughout the week on defense, <laughs> yeah, like, you better come in and play. Especially the receivers on the other team. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me take it easy on you since you're new here. You know, it's, it's not one of those situations, is it? No, no, no. Speaking of the guys you'll go against this weekend, Jacksonville, mm -hmm. they come to town. They're above 500. Obviously, the Texans are above 500. That has never happened. These two teams have never played each other when they've been above 500. Wow. Not when he played. Not when you've played anybody in between or before that. Mm -hmm. That's remarkable. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about in November, December, but 1-0, 2-0, early in the season. It's never happened. So this has got to be the biggest Jacksonville Jaguars versus Houston Texans game ever, right, ND, wouldn't you say? Yeah, especially with the implication. But yeah. I still feel like it's still kind of early. Oh, it's way too early. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's no crowning going on or anything. But it's wild that that's, it's been so long since – or it's been ever that these teams are – are facing each other with winning records. So what do you see? I know you all haven't dug too deep into the tape yet, but mm -hmm. there's a team that they can move some things around. They've got a different guy leading them in receptions, different guy leading them in receiving yards, and different guy leading them in touchdown catches. That was the same case around here last week. It's not the case right now, but clearly there are many weapons and many options for Trevor Lawrence. No doubt, yeah. They, they got a very dangerous offensive group, obviously starting with the quarterback, mm -hmm. uh, the running game, all their receivers you know, are dangerous, and so – We'll have our work cut out for us, but, you know, we'll be ready for the challenge. You know, and when you talk about uh, these type of games with the playoff implication, I feel like it's early. A lot of my radio shows and when people ask me, oh, you know, it's a huge game like Drew talked about, I was like, eh, you know what, if they lose, but you never you know, want to say if we lose as a player, mm -hmm. the goal's still there. And if they win, they can still lose it if they don't humble themselves like you talked about. Mm -hmm. So going into it, our guys looking at – the records, looking at the standings, or for you, is it, no, we're just playing Jacksonville, another good team. Yeah, exactly. I can't speak for, for the other guys, right. um, but myself, it's a little bit of both, you know, to be honest. I think if, if someone was to say that they're not looking at the records and looking at the fact that, you know, if we win, you know, we'll have the tiebreaker and all that sort of stuff later on. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we got to do what we got to do. Um, but I think, I think it's one thing to be so focused on, like, the outcome and what's at stake. And another thing to, like, recognize, yeah, that is true, right? But, like, it's not going to matter if we don't go out there and perform. So, like, what's important right now is how, how we take care of our bodies today on Tuesday, how we study our tape, you know, mm -hmm. and um, just kind of focusing on the process and hopefully giving ourselves the best chance to, to go get that win. And One thing I, I want to ask you, because every time I talk to a defensive back mm -hmm. that's currently playing, I ask this question. And then when I talk to buddies that I play with, the Bobby Taylors of the world, Brian Dawkins of the world – we we talk and we're in awe of I don't know how y'all are supposed to play because there'll be penalties. And I'm not just saying it because I'm biased because I'm a defensive player, <laughs> but there'll be penalties where if you're aiming for the receiver's chest and he drops his head down, you get penalized, you get fined, potentially get kicked out of the game. And I have no idea what y'all are supposed to do. H how are they coaching that up? What do coaches say after those penalties? Like, if I was your coach, I'd be like, Hey, man, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but I'm sure the current coaches are saying, like, hey, you have to do this, that, or the other. Like, 
<laughs> what what is the talk? It's a little bit of both, really. Like sometimes it's I don't know what you're supposed to do right there. Yeah. You know, like you had a good target. You know, the main the main coaching point is lower your target, um, lower your target line so that you know there's no chance of you hitting in, in the helmet or head. But like you said, sometimes your target is on point, and they happen to duck at the right time or um, or whatever, and, and um, end up getting the penalty. So I think yeah, that's the main thing. Just trying to keep your target a little bit lower, focusing on the on the chest and hips and if you have to go a little bit lower, that's unfortunate that that's the way the game is going, but it's kind of where it is. And What's the mentality? Because I know the few times as a D lineman, except mm-hmm. when you drop in coverage, if you saw somebody that is focused on the ball, the thought is, ooh, I'm going to clean his clock. Like, mm-hmm. in your mind, is it, okay, I got to hit him here so I don't get penalized? Like, what are you thinking that split second before uh, you hit the, the pass catcher. Yeah, you know, I've been in the league since I think they started all those rules. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've been training the whole time. So I'm I'm going to focus on just trying to make sure I got my right angle. And uh, I'm not trying to hit anybody in the head. No one I don't think has ever no. really, except for that kid from Pittsburgh or whatever that was. You see that? <laughs> Did you see that clip? No, recently? This is college, yeah. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Now I'm going to have to go back you and look, look it up. It's the definition of target, oh, yeah. and it was wild. Um, and you as a player, you <laughs> felt like he was aiming for the head? If you watch it, you'll be you, like, it looked like a parody, like, <laughs> wow. like something on Key and Peele or something. Now I'm, I'm ex- not excited, you but I'm definitely going to look it up. Well, everything you just described, <laughs> it, I, I just don't see how you can, you can penalize and suspend Denzel Perryman the way you did because it wasn't a quarterback sliding. Right. And even if it was, he was – like you said, he was going low. You know, he was. Mm-hmm. Ke- it was a wide receiver, a ball carrier, sliding. Which how many? How often does that ever happen? I, it, I, I'm sure it has happened before, but I don't remember seeing that. And it's a really good, dangerous guy after the catch. And mm-hmm. anyways, but probably beating dead horses here, right? <laughs> no, so. no, it's a, it's it's relevant, right? Like, yeah. Obviously, players are getting suspended. Guy on our team, and it sucks. Yeah. Um, I just think they probably need a. I don't know different way to review all that stuff. Right, right, right. Make it a little bit more subjective almost. Sure. You know, like what happened on this play instead of just looking at, oh, he hit him in the head. Like, okay, why did that contact happen that way? And I'm going to be real. I'm a little <laughs> disappointed in my former teammates. I played with Troy Vincent. You know, mm-hmm. obviously he's uh, doing a great job. I still mm-hmm. love him to death as a person. Uh, John Runyon, James Thrash. These are all guys that I played with, and they're the ones who are handing down the fines. And I'm like – Y'all played the game, like what, what's going on? And obviously, it comes from above them. But I, I just somebody needs to explain what a player is supposed to do. And this is my last point because it really ticks me off. Mm-hmm. Then when they show it on television, they slow it down. Right. Right. So the people who've never played are like, "Oh, he had time to." Yeah, they make it look like you're a barbarian. Body. When it's in slow motion, you're all barbarians. <laughs> yeah. Right? Why like, would you ever do this? I'm like, no, like show them in real speed. Yeah, bang bang. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even like the penalty aspect of it, like I can't understand. Like you trying to take that out of the game, cool. But the money aspect of it, like I heard someone the other day say a practice squad elevation got fined like forty five, fifty thousand dollars, and that dude's gonna be, you know, playing for free for multiple weeks. It's like. I don't know. That doesn't yeah. seem that doesn't seem right to me. From a- well, let's flip uh, flip over to something fun. Yeah, <laughs> you've had an interesting so the first seven years of your career, in Chicago. You've you've played this season mm-hmm. with the Texans. You played with the Ravens, mm-hmm. and then you came back to the Texans. The first time around, you were a part of that first win, and it was at Jacksonville. And mm-hmm. I want to focus on one play in particular: the Andrew Beck kickoff return for a touchdown. Brandon McManus will kick off. From our left to right with Mike Boone back deep. One yard deep in the end zone. Last time he let it bounce. And this is going to be inside the 10. 
And this is dropped, picked up by Beck. Beck still going, running to the right side. Beck has some room, 25, 30, 35, 40. He's at the 50, he's at the 45 of Jacksonville. Beck across the 30, the 20, the 15, 10, 5. Are you kidding? Rock and roll, touchdown, Houston. My goodness. Oh my. Beck picked up the ball. The earth started shaking in North Florida and he ran to the right side and found the lane to the end zone. It's why they tell those guys never to back up. Oh, it was legendary. You were you were you had, you logged some special team snaps. Mm-hmm. What was your vantage point of that play? Were you on the field? Were you on the <laughs> sidelines? Take us through your side sideline view or your your on-field view of what happened on that just unpredictable no one would have called it touchdown by Andrew Beck, the fullback. No doubt. So I was on the field. Okay. Um, supposed to be blocking for for Beck. Um, you know how the game is. Like, it's fast. Yeah. So somehow I end up on the ground. Uh-huh. You know, I mm-hmm. get knocked off. I end up on the ground. It's like a big pile. And a lot of times I can judge what's going on based off the crowd noise. Mm-hmm. So I hear the crowd start going crazy. I'm like, dang, he probably got tackled <laughs> inside of 20. <laughs> So I just look up and I just see him scooting down the sideline. And my first thought, to be honest, I'm like, all right, someone's gonna get him. And I just see him hossed up one dude and then hossed up another dude. I'm like, he's about to go to the crib. <laughs> nah. He went all the way. And that was that was one of the craziest moments I've been a part of nah. uh, in the NFL. How big a play now forced for the trees, mm-hmm. you know, weeks later, month later or so. I mean, 0-2 oh at that point. You had a nice lead, but they mm-hmm. were creeping in close and it looked like, okay, we got th- things right where the Jaguars were gonna and then you guys just kind of slam the door on them after that. How big do you think that play has been for this season? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't know if you can uh, really, you know, uh, quantify it. Yeah. But I, I didn't even really think about it like that. Like, yeah, it was – they maybe felt like they were getting a little bit of momentum and kind of got the air taken out of that building after that play. And I think after that, it seemed like we were in control. Um, and then, and then yeah, you get a win and you start to build momentum and – so yeah, that's a that's a great question. Maybe uh maybe back later in January or something you bring it up and we'll revisit that yeah. later. Then <laughs> I just know I was on I was in this I was on the sideline shooting with my camera, mm-hmm. and I was in the end zone that he scored. So I'm on the other side of the field, and it was you remember it was brilliantly sunny that day. You can't mm-hmm. really see, and when you're looking at a cell phone and you're shooting video, I can kind of see somebody's not supposed to be catching the ball that you know is, and then they fumbled the ball, and I was like, oh. And then there's a scrum, and then I see that person that miscued it is all by himself, and I'm shooting, and I just go, oh, Andrew Beck. <laughs> it's like you just tell by the way he moved and the hair and everything. Uh-huh. And I thought, sweet, he's going to get it to like the 35, 40-yard line. They're going to have a really good field position. And then he just kept going. He hurdled a dude. He high st- it was, mm-hmm. And then the, everybody was in the end zone. The sidelines behind it as he's coming up, it was a fun vantage. I mean, I think Bobby Sloak jumped over one of the guys that tried to tackle him. <laughs> it was just one of those memorable moments, like, holy moly, what is happening? Ha- what's the craziest special teams play you ever saw in that regard? You know what? That, when you played. I would have to really go back and, and think about the craziest because most impactful when Brian uh, Westbrook mm-hmm. were playing against the Buffalo Bills, similar to what you just mentioned with DeAndre, where our season didn't get started the way it was supposed to in Philadelphia. We were supposed to uh, win the division, and at the time we just weren't playing well. And it was like a last-second punt. They were pretty much punting to us to seal the game that Mm -hmm. they were going to win. And uh, Brian Westbrook took it to the house. 
we end up winning the game. And then after that, things just started to fall into place and we end up winning the division and playing the conference championship <laughs> mm -hmm. game. So, and it's funny because when you were asking uh, DeAndre the question, like, was that when the momentum shifted? When you're playing, you don't really think about it like that. Right. You just think, oh, that was a great play. Then when the season was over and we looked back on the season, it was like, oh, you know what? It was that special teams play where things started to change for the better for the entire season. So, like you said, when, when the season's over and we have some playoff wins, we might go back to that play and say that's when things started to uh, change in our favor. Yeah. yeah. All right, we've got DeAndre Houston Carson with us. He's defensive back for the Texans. We're going to talk much, much more with him after the break. We got to get into some of this special team stuff that you've uh, you've mentioned, and this guy's played every single snap on the defensive side of the ball for the last two games, and the last two games been pretty fun. All right, stick with us. This is Texans Huddle. Welcome back, welcome in Texans Huddle. I am Indy Kalu. He's Drew Doherty, DeAndre Houston Carson, sitting in the seat talking a little football, special teams, talking about some college rivalries, whatever we want to talk about, we talk about here in the Texans Huddle. Uh, before we get into what Drew teased, I did want to ask you a question about, you know, your approach every single quarter, you know, because I, I used to remember like when a quarter was over and I'm talking about the season. So let me step back. Mm -hmm. uh, when I played those 16 games, so after every four games, you kind of changed up what you did. Mm -hmm. Do you do, do they still do that? Do you still do that? Like after four weeks in, do you kind of change up your routine just so it doesn't become like Groundhog Day where every day you're waking up doing the same thing? Right. Um, for my personal routine yeah. that I do, no. I try to keep it as, you know, as consistent as possible. Mm -hmm. But there's enough um, things like in the weight room and practice and all that stuff that's out of my control that they might switch. So they up. do change it up. As yeah, I'm trying to think. It might not be exactly every four weeks. Okay. But like like weightlifting mm -hmm. program, you know, there's there's um, you know, certain times where you change what's going on. Um, and maybe it is four weeks, but okay. um, I think for like my standpoint of like you have the, your season goals, right? And then you check in after every quarter, see where you are as a team and individually, and what you need to change. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not, you know. If you haven't achieved those goals yet, so yeah. real quick uh, before, sorry, Andrew, uh, Drew, real quick because we talked about that awesome return by Beck, mm -hmm. and what I liked about it, it shows how athletic all football players are in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So if you weren't playing safety, what position do you feel like? You know what? If they gave me a shot at this position, I would ball out. Like I used to think I could play tight end, even though I never <laughs> did. Like, but what's the position you're like? You know what? You could have, by the way. You know, this guy, did you win state? In the high jump? Yeah, Texas Relays. Yeah, yeah, one of the Texas Relays, one of the biggest track meets. One high, high jump? jump? In yeah. high school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, long yeah, yeah. time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Still counts. Yeah, yeah. appreciate it. He, but he ran track, too. He oh, oh you're a track yeah. guy. Okay. No, I'm not a track guy. In high school. I ran did. track one year. In high school. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there was a reason why I ran one year. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so what's that uh, position where you feel like, you know what, I, I could be the guy at this position? Uh, I don't know about the guy, but I, I could probably be decently serviceable at uh, receiver. Okay. Um, my my size, unfortunately, I can't I can't be on the, in the in the trenches or anything mm -hmm. like that. But maybe receiver. Okay. Yeah. In a All slot. Right. Yeah, we've heard. Uh, I've asked that question of a few players. Who would who from the other side of the ball would be good here? I, I can't remember who I asked on defense, but I was like, who do you think on the offensive side of the ball would be a good defender? And I can't remember who it was, but he just didn't hesitate. He's like, Nico Collins would be a great safety. Hmm. Great safe, just because he's physical, yeah. can catch, can move. Long. Yeah, it's an interesting one. 
Safety is kind of like the quarterback of the defensive back. So it's not just, in my opinion, being physical. There's a lot of thought behind it, too, there as is, far as, yeah. you know. I think that's the, the most fun part of the position, honestly. Awesome. Not the most fun, but it is a fun part, like yeah. making the calls, making the checks. But I'm trying to think, offensive player who would be really good on defense. One of the receivers. I think, I think Robert Woods would be pretty good as a defensive back. Mm. He's a tough guy. Yeah. Smart. Smart. Got to, uh, got got a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would you be doing if you weren't a football player? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Um, I know I want to be in the ministry at some point. Okay. I don't know if it would have happened by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm thankful that I haven't had to answer that <laughs> question. Sure, you know, sure. I haven't worked a day in my life yet. That's uh, good. That's good. Uh, Did you ever have any jobs? Just you know, in high school or college? What was your first job ever? Yeah. So my first job ever was at the library. Mm-hmm. What were you um, doing there? A sweet gig, putting the books back on the shelf. <laughs> I was probably the worst employee of all time, though. Is this Why? in high school or is this is in high school? Yeah, okay. I think my junior year, maybe sophomore year, probably junior year. Um, they gave us these phones if they ever need anything. You know, they call you on the phone, so I'd put my my books back on the shelf and I go hit, you know, hit downtown Fredericksburg, walk around and be chilling. <laughs> and if they need anything, they give me a call. Um, but then after that, I worked at Olive Garden um, my senior year, and then all the way through college um, in the summers, I worked at Olive Garden and waiting tables. Yes, oh, okay. that, that was a grind. Yeah. Now, with your experience working uh, waiting tables, mm-hmm. do you tip a little more now when you go out to eat because you know what they're going through? Yeah, I give or, a, or less. I give a, I give a good tip. <laughs> okay, yeah, I give a good tip. It's good. The tips are starting to get crazy nowadays, though. You know, they're all built in now. Yeah, asking yeah. you for tips for all types of stuff. That you but, know, I'm uh, glad you said that because <laughs> I thought it was just me because I've been known to be cheap. I think mm-hmm. I'm frugal, but when it comes to tips, I always try to go over and beyond because I want to kill the stereotype. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> but uh, with the, the asking for a tip when I go pick up the food, I'm like, ah. yeah. But I talked to somebody who was a good buddy of mine, and he was a producer on on a radio show uh, that I had, and he said that. I forgot how he explained it, but he broke it down that even if you're picking up the food, the people who prepared it are still expecting and needing that that's tip. That's true. So that's that's the only reason I'm like, okay, I'll yeah. COVID kind of turned everything on its ear in that regard. Yeah. As far as tipping and the service and the built-ins and, and whatnot. What's uh, one thing about the restaurant business? Not all we could do, we could t- by the way. Keep going with this mm-hmm. question because we could talk about waiting tables and restaurants the rest of the oh, way. Absolutely. Like there's a zillion. I waited tables for two summers, so I can chime in a little bit. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we won't say the name of the restaurant, <laughs> but have you ever seen somebody drop food, pick it up, and put it back on the plate? No, I never personally. Seen okay, that. Good. I never did either. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Okay. I'd, and I still I launched one into a, like a wall one time by accident, and yeah, these people their food never got cooked faster, and I'm like, why don't I just do that all the time and make it come out right. faster? Anyways, huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll tell you what I did see. If if someone's food came out wrong and they sent it back to the kitchen and it's kind of sitting in the window for a little while and it's not going to go out. Okay. Scavengers. Yeah. During, during, the, during the shift trying to figure out who's going to get that food. Oh, really? I'd always have like two or three to-go boxes whenever I leave uh, out of Olive Garden for the night. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, does the smell of the Olive Garden or garlic, does that, does that hit you weird now? or Because I know... Walking into the back of the kitchen when I went there, it kind of it soured me on certain restaurants after I went. Did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it definitely has a unique, a yeah. unique smell. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hit me wrong, but um, I definitely don't eat Olive Garden as much as I used to. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Those breadsticks, though, <laughs> and the salad. It's funny you said it because I never worked at a restaurant, but both my sisters, there's a restaurant, I think it's only in San Antonio, called Bill Miller's. Yeah. And they both work there. 
and they will come home smelling like it's a, a barbecue strong, place, right? Yeah, yeah, not not barbecue like Gatlin's, so, you know, right. over here, but yeah, fast foodish barbecue. And I used to like going there, mm-hmm. but after about a year of them working there, I just smell I can it. absolutely I, understand I just that. Did not absolutely, want to eat it. yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. talking yeah. restaurants here with uh, DeAndre Christy Carson <laughs> and Andy Kalu. <laughs> did you ever cook? No. Can you cook? No, I can't cook. So you don't have a go-to meal? Spaghetti. Oh, I think that's everyone. Yeah, like I can cook. get by, right? Yeah. Steak, something yeah. easy. Yeah, you just make the steak. How you? So, eat. what do you? How do you eat every day? What do you do? Do you just take stuff from the cafeteria I eat here? here or yeah. My, yeah, my my wife holds it down. There you a go. Lot of times there you go. Chipotle gift cards. Yeah. What's your What's your favorite <laughs> meal or two or three of your wives? Oh man, that she makes for you. Like, what do you? What's your favorite? Yeah, I'd say probably by far simple, but she makes a really good salmon. Um, it's kind of like barbecue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good salmon. for you. Yeah, some simple. And the way she does her vegetables is always good. She seasons them right. I like them to be kind of crispy. Okay. She's kind of got that down pat. So. Nice. Uh, she does her thing. So you talked about if you weren't playing, you may be in the ministry. Have you found a good church here in Houston? Um, actually, yes. Obviously can't go right during oh, the season. You're, you're a little um, busy also. <laughs> right. But um, one of the pastors who's connected with my pastor back home, he's not too far. So we went. We I went once. With my wife and kids, and then and then they've went a few times. So, so your pastor um, back home has some connections here in yep, Houston, exactly, and you were able to connect with them, exactly. Oh, do you lean on them at all, or is there really not a need to? Not so much right now because you have the family, right? And, okay. And I was here for a short time last time. It's kind of been all ball for me, but um, but no, they, they've been. It's been nice having somewhere for my for my wife and kids to be able to go. Do you see yourself in the pulpit? Do you see yourself preaching or more, you know, helping in the background, like when you envision? And I know you said you don't know exactly, but I yeah. thought that was very interesting and admirable. Like, do you see yourself, are you more get in front of the congregation and preach the word or more behind the scenes? Yeah, I see myself being a pastor. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, probably they say 10% is preaching mm-hmm. and, and a lot of it is counseling and meetings and administrative type of stuff, right? Um, so a little bit of both. Definitely. How prepared are you for that, you think? I feel pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, I don't know if you ever really be prepared. I think it's one sure. of those things yeah. you got to get baptized by fire, you know. Um, but I feel good. I feel good about it. When I used to have my radio show, sometimes we'll push the envelope and then my pastor will text me, like, hey, I'm listening to this <laughs> show. <laughs> and even as a 40 year old man, I was like, I was just like, okay, I got to change up what we're talking about and, uh, you know, not get too crazy with it. Speaking with DeAndre Houston Carson, Texan Huddle, we have one more segment to go. Don't touch that dial, I'll leave it right here. Welcome in, welcome back. One more segment, Texans Huddle. I am ND. He is Drew. DeAndre Houston Carson sitting in with us for the final segment. Been awesome two segments. We appreciate your time. And you're a very humble guy. Like uh, most of the guys, matter of fact, let me change that. All the guys that we've had uh, sitting in the seat that you're sitting in, all been great guys. But there's a lot of humility with you. Can you just kind of talk about how it doesn't appear you let the NFL life get to your head? Yeah, um, I don't know. I just feel like we're all just regular dudes, you know, trying to make a living. And um, I think sometimes people talk about being humble, um, but I, I really, in, in light of, and again, I don't maybe not get too deep, but in light of like who God is and who I am, it's like I'm happy to be alive and, hmm. you know, happy to be here and talk to y'all and just trying to get better. I know how how much I need to work on, right? Like, I, I know who I am more than anyone else does. So 
I don't think it's humble. I think it's just the reality of, you know. And I think that's part of the definition of humility. The fact that you don't think you're being humble is just the reality. And it really hit me when, uh, you know, I told you I thought I'd be a great tight end. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, I could probably play slot. I'm not saying I'll be great. And I'm like, man, that guy, you know, he's humble because obviously he's a great athlete or you don't get to the NFL. You don't last eight years. The career average is three and a half years. And it's just kind of refreshing just to hear the humility with everything that you've been able to accomplish. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Speaking of humble guys, what are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? How much actual traditional Thanksgiving are you going to get to partake in? Because you guys got a game this Sunday. Yeah. That's, a, that's two parts. And then the third part of that question, perfect Thanksgiving plate involves what? So you know what? bang, bang, bang. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start in reverse. Okay. I'm not a turkey guy, so I just want some ham. Those Hawaiian roll mm-hmm. bread, Preach. I need good. like four or five of those. <laughs> um, that's all? No, no, no. Um, you ever had sweet potato souffle? No, I never I, have. I, I mean, it's, it's nothing special, right? It's like sweet potato, but it's like it's special enough for you to make it first on the no, list after real. the, the I bread think and the it's meat. Like cinnamon or something's like real sweet. Um, what else do I like? So with the Hawaiian roll, do you put anything in it, or you just eat it by itself? Do you turn it, it into a sandwich? I would eat it by itself on the first day, but the next couple of days you make start making them in the sandwich. My guy, the Hawaiian bread is that's what I need. Yes. Um, dang, I feel like that's that's not that much, right? Um, it's three components. Yeah, probably like some. I'm, I don't. Yeah, probably stuffing. Gotta have some stuffing. You know, they force the Do you turkey. Have to, though? Yeah, you, your face scrunches up when you say it. <laughs> yeah. I don't eat the stuffing because it's too mushy. Yeah. And some people call it dressing. And there's like a little side war that goes on with the stuffing versus dressing people. But no, anyways. dressing's the liquid, right? The, I don't no, know that's what that's is. gravy. <clears throat> uh, okay. Yeah, I guess y'all are right. I think maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I think it's yeah. gravy. But the turkey feels for us. What about you, Drew? You asked the question. I love turkey. I love yeah. turkey. Turkey guy. I'll take Cajun fried turkey. I'll take uh, smoked turkey. I love I love ham as well. So mm-hmm. I'll do both. I'm gonna do both. Um, like mashed potatoes or gravy, mm-hmm. green bean casserole. My mother in law has this awesome artichoke hearts casserole. Mm-hmm. It's out of this world. White meat or dark with a turkey? Both. I like both. White meat's too dry for me. Not if you put a little gravy on it, and some salt. <sighs> good. <laughs> but everything both y'all mentioned is great. It just depends who's preparing it and how Absolutely. it's prepared. Absolutely, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course. But, well, uh, we, we didn't have any desserts either. What's we got to get in that? Yeah. Wait, well, wait. But yeah. You too. You, you've not answered. What's your favorite? What's your No, actually, the Hawaiian roll is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It's funny. You have this fancy uh, setup. Just give me the canned cranberry sauce, yeah. and I cut that up, <laughs> put it in my Hawaiian roll. And some dark turkey in there, and I just make Are you a bunch like of the, sandwiches. The blob, like the, the blob, and you just yeah. talk, make it a slice. And you just make it a slice. Right, you cool. put it in there, and you put some uh, turkey meat that's in. Nice and, sweet. and I'll make yeah. a bunch of sandwiches, <laughs> and, and I'm good right there. <laughs> and then I'll gain about ten pounds <laughs> after that. Mm-hmm. So that, that's it. I'm pretty simple when it comes to that. That's good. That's uh-huh. a good setup, man. I like it. I can't remember the other components of that. Yeah, are you going to get to? I mean, how much will you get to do family time? And, right. You know, uh, not much, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably get a plate. And mm. get on the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you asked what I'm thankful for. That's right. Yes. Um, what are you thankful? My family. Uh huh. You know, my wife and a couple kids. So, how old are they, kids? So three and a half, one and a half, and a month. Oh wow! You are congratulations. You are in the thick it. of it. Yeah, wow! Congratulations right on the babies. Yeah, Thank that's you. great. Appreciate boys, it. girls. My oldest is a girl, and I got two boys. Are you gonna let them play football? If they want to. Okay, own. let me back. Up. Let me. That, that's a dumb question. Uh, when will you allow them to put the pads on in football? 
Uh, I started when I was eight, so okay. I, I think I let them play once they turn eight. Okay. Um, I, I know there's different views on that, right? Um, I feel like you kind of got to know if you can, if you can take hits. You know, I'd rather you learn a little earlier than <laughs> you're 14 and right. you know you're playing against 18 year olds and getting smacked for the first time. So, yeah. but yeah, I'll let them play if they want to. Drew's son is a stud. I've seen some film on him, so uh, you, oh. you need to share Which that one? Uh, with DeAndre. <laughs> oh, you have two playing. I got a big boy playing. He played seven on seven. He was a quarterback, okay. and then I think I sent you the. The eight-year-old, he was with the moves, like looked yeah, like Tank Dell, mm-hmm, <laughs> like yeah. a young Tank Dell. Maybe Tank Dell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's a uh, receiver, and they just did they did jet sweep end arounds with him. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's fun. So does the family follow you? Because I know when I played, there was a, some back and forth when I was moving and not knowing I was going to move, right. so they stayed back home. Or do you bring them, pack them up, bring them everywhere you go? Yeah, it's been tough because my wife is like super pregnant this whole process this mm-hmm. year. Um, so they've stayed. Yeah, a couple times, and they they've come a couple times. So okay, um, they're here visiting now for a little bit. Will they be here through Thanksgiving? Yep. Okay, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Now, have they give y'all? So Thursday, what's y'all's schedule? Well, what can you talk about? Like, are y'all practicing? Are y'all getting off early? What? Yeah, I don't know. You have to talk to coach. I, mm-hmm. uh, for me, I know we got practice. Okay, and I don't know exactly what we know what the plan is after that. Yeah, no. it's a Thursday. I mean, that's that's kind of. I remember Kubiak. They practiced. O'Brien. They practiced. Yeah, Thursday's a big oh, everyone's day. Oh, going to practice. Huge, it's just a huge. matter of how they... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. the media's there. Sometimes it's not. This year won't be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. I mean, listen, he knows. You understand because you've seen it from afar. But there hasn't been winning football around here since 2019, around this time of year. And this is, you know, you're in, you guys are on a three-game win streak. They haven't won three in a row since 2018. So wow. this is a, it's been a while since... The wins have been coming, so this no is doubt. this is fun fun stuff for the fans, the people covering it, and for the players. You know, yeah, you gotta keep it rolling. Absolutely. Yeah. Are, are you as petty as I was? Because uh, I went in the fifth round, and every year I would go and look at all the people in my my position who were uh, drafted ahead of me, mm-hmm. and I'll just mark them off like he's not in the league anymore. He's not, <laughs> that was kind of my drive. Yeah. Uh, do you do something that silly? Or uh, I think I know the answer. But no, no. I mean, I don't. I don't do it. To that extent, but I, I keep my eye on guys who, okay. are, you know, who are still in, and you know, guys who they were projecting to be, you know, whatever, and yeah. are, for whatever reason aren't in. But um, yeah, I'm just trying to trying to last, as long stick as around a little bit longer. Yeah, but I understand that sentiment though. Yeah, 2016. I mean, that's there's not too many guys mm-hmm. who were picked then that are still around. You know, it's, I feel like the safety class there is. Um, for some reason. It was a pretty strong class. I in think 16. so. Maybe not like all the drafted, but a lot of the undrafted guys are still playing okay. and doing their thing. Right. Uh, yeah. It's only, uh, you got to go down to, you know, there's about 30, 40, 50 of you guys, tops. Still playing? Still playing, yeah. Oh, regardless of position? Regardless uh, of position. That were, that were drafted. It's like he said, yeah. there's probably... You know, another chunk that were not drafted that are still hanging around. No, so. that, that's strong. Yeah. Spe- Speaking of that, I mean, obviously it's a goal to play as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Are you a goal setter before every season, or is it more just get your body where it needs to be and see what happens? Uh, no, I set my goal. Are they personal? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so that means don't ask. That's just what he's saying. <laughs> like don't ask. So that that's cool because I know some guys every year, you know, kind of jot down what you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to when I was young. I remember asking like Bruce Smith, "Hey, do you set goals?" And he was like, no, I just try to get my body to a certain point. Right. But then another Hall of Famer was like, I absolutely write him down. So mm-hmm. I know what's cool about just the entire NFL is not just one mindset. Right. You know, there's different ways to kind of approach the game and, and approach your career. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. And I think trying to take a little bit from 
from uh, from different people and yep. add it to your game is probably what helped you play 12 years. And No, absolutely. And know. it wasn't just the greats because there were some guys just physically, I was like, I can't do that. Right. But then there's other guys like you've never heard of, Andy Harmon, Rhett Hall. When I was a rookie, they were defensive linemen for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. They both played decade plus. And I was like, yeah, I, I can do what he does. So, right. you know, those are the guys I try to pick their brain. Then mm-hmm. Bruce Smith taught me how to watch film. So what would be something you would tell a younger, even a guy like Petrie, who's having mm-hmm. a lot of success, but he wants to last like you have. Like, what would be some of the advice you would give a younger DB? Oh, man. Um, I guess it would depend on their situation, but take special teams serious. Nice. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, something someone told me early on is try to have your same routine throughout the season. So, like, whatever you do on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, that's what you do, you know? They say consistency off the field breeds consistency on the field mm. is what I heard. And so that's what I've tried to do. Not perfectly, but um, I think that's something that's helped me in a way. We can't let you get out of here without asking the question. And I'm sure a lot of people ask you about him that, that are not rela- involved in football with the Texans, but what's your, your vantage point of C.J. Stroud and what he's been yeah. able to do with you guys? I'll tell you what, when, when I first got here earlier in the season um, – before we even played a game, just watching him in practice, I was thinking to myself, and I said it out loud to someone, I'm like, this might be the best rookie quarterback I've seen. Hmm. Really? Um, yeah, just personally. What was he doing that made you say that? He just knows where he wants to go with the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, um, And I don't know what he's doing as far as his preparation, but obviously it's he's, he's on it. Um, and not a lot of guys, rookie or not, like really know where they want to go with the ball the way he does, and it's been special to watch. Yeah, what was that like in Cincy in the week before that against Tampa Bay when he did what he did in those final minutes each time? Yeah, it was amazing, you know. Uh, me personally, I was – that Tampa Bay game especially, um, you know, giving up so many points on defense and him going down and doing it. Like, <laughs> you know, I was super thankful, right? Um, but, no, he's special. and I just hope he uh, – I know he's going to keep keep it rolling. All right, it feels like we're having a special year, so I'm thankful for that. So all the listeners – We hope y'all have a happy Thanksgiving. We appreciate y'all listening to Texan Huddle, and we're thankful for y'all. DeAndre Houston Carson, man, you have a new fan right here, so I'll be watching (laughs) on television, yelling, rooting you on. We appreciate your time. For Drew, I'm Indy. This has been Texan Huddle.